What's up? Happy Friday. I am Brian Scott Rippey. On the other end of the line is Colin Brister, my co-conspirator. This is another edition of Mailbag Friday. The People's Holiday is back upon us. We've got some cool things on the horizon. Going to get some People's Holiday shirts. Um, you know, if you're listening to this at work and you celebrate the People's Holiday, I feel like if you have a shirt, you can tell your boss whatever and he, like, can't say shit to you, right? Like, if you just walked up to him and were like, hey, it's the People's Holiday, he'd probably be like, what is that? we got to drug test these kids. But if you got a shirt, he's probably like, no, these guys are legit. Like, never mind, we can't. Yeah, they actually have a holiday. Yeah, exactly. If you if you have a shirt, you're legit. So working on those. Got all kinds of things in the works. Got a uh, got an intro coming. I know. Remember how the first time we did a podcast, <laughs> I kept saying I had an intro, and it became a running joke because if we got eight months in with no intro. Yeah, because like the dude was in like the Ukraine or something. That is, I, I forgot. I even forgot about that part. The guy that Super Talk outsourced to do all of our podcast and radio like hard intros was just like a traveling guy that did it freelancing and just enjoyed traveling the world. So he like respond to emails at 4 a.m. and been like, sorry, been in the Ukraine. It's like, well, what have you been doing in the Ukraine? <laughs> First off, why? <laughs> Probably a topic for another day. But I have not lied this time. I actually have a intro in the works. Good friend of the show, Ben Garrett, offered to uh, help kind of mock me up an intro so I think that's coming this week, or the coming week, hopefully. Uh, got some cool sponsorship stuff on the horizon that I'm going to hash out tomorrow. So a uh, chance to actually make money off of these shenanigans. With uh, there that, you was, go. that was a hell of an intro. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I have three screens going right now. I guess that's what happens when you root for a team on the bubble. Uh, I guess most of the games have ended now. Yeah, it's, it's been a day of uh, – basketball you know i don't know how much time we'll spend on baseball today because Ole miss has firmly planted themselves right smack dab in the middle of the damn bubble once again it is so impressive how they continue to be here yeah it really is you you nailed it with that one we've got a lot to cover today it is mailbag friday it is the people's holiday we are technically recording a little inside baseball spoiler alert on thursday night after Ole miss's game against south carolina has gone final after the rebels advance with a Whatever to whatever win. I started setting up the Zoom. Doesn't matter. The game went final. It doesn't matter. Ole Miss took care of business. So we're going to get into that. We're, of course, going to get into your mailbag questions. And then we'll touch on some baseball. I think this is more of a big-picture baseball weekend instead of, like, what do you want to see from Belmont type of thing. Because sure. you know, between the Nikhazy injury and a couple other things, I think it's just kind of a matter of how this group's going to get their ducks in the row from a personnel standpoint. Um to just kind of get ready for Auburn and SEC play. So we'll dive into that a little bit. This will not be Colin and I's normal baseball-heavy show. I'll put it that way. But uh, let's just start with what we just watched. So Ole Miss beats South Carolina. I'm the worst podcast ever for not having the score. I would never make it in television. Here, I have it right here, 76-59. Okay. So, you know, Ole Miss kind of runs them out of the gym in the second half. It was really a hapless South Carolina team. You know, you and I were just talking right before we started recording – yeah, that's probably it for Frank Martin. I think he's a good coach. You know, they had the final four run, and it just hasn't happened since. You mentioned you brought up a good point when we were talking. It's like they sucked last year. They weren't supposed to suck. And this year, if you look at the injuries and the COVID and the interruptions they had, you could probably actually make an argument. There's no major college hoops program that's been just screwed worse by it. I know SMU's been on pause for a month. There have been some other uh, – some other examples, but in terms of just that combined with injury, South Carolina just really never stood a chance with this year. 
And when you kind of, I guess, put that in context to last year, it's just kind of one of those, it's like a Will Muschamp deal. Just pull the trigger. It doesn't matter type of thing, right? Yeah. My only thing is you, you just fired Muschamp and paid him a bajillion dollars. Do you have the money to fire Frank Martin? And I know I said that, you know, while we're off air, and I just started thinking, yeah, you just paid Will Muschamp a ton of money. Do you, you really have all the money to fire Frank Martin at this point? Because I'm sure he's got a pretty hefty bile for a college basketball coach. Yeah, I mean, the, particularly a guy that made a Final Four at a school that I don't know the last time South Carolina made a Final Four before that. I don't actually that. If you made me bet on it. I would go the roulette double zero right route and probably go never. Yeah. Um, but that's just a guess. But to your point, goodbye, probably a hefty buyout. And at the same time, like, if, if, if they knew this year going into this year that both coaches were going to suck, which obviously they didn't, but just let's just say they did. I mean, which one are you betting on to write the ship? Must champ for Frank Martin. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So, fair. I don't know. Maybe he's not candid. It just kind of feels like it. that seemed like the vibe. But anyway, it kind of spinning this toward an Ole Miss perspective because, you know, most of the uh, fans uh, <laughs> listening to this are not South Carolina fans. I would go out on a limb and say that. Ole Miss took care of business tonight, and they ended up yep. scoring 76 points. I didn't think it was an all-worldly offensive performance. I thought they did exactly what they needed to do defensively against South Carolina. They got a lot of good production in the front court when the game was uh, still in the balance because South Carolina, they didn't get the tonight, tonight, but uh, they had Shuler covered up. I thought they did a good job on him in the first half, but Ole Miss was able to overcome that because of Romello and because of KJ. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Romello White played well, KJ Bell. Um, Devontae Shuler played well. Jorkel played well, and it's almost like, you know, that leads to an Ole Miss victory. Um, is Luis Rodriguez, real quick, one of the more fun – like, does he remind me of Holloway at all, like, points, goes and gets dirty. Like, it is fun for me to watch that guy play basketball. You know, for a team that's not really that aesthetically pleasing at all, they, they do have a couple guys that are very enjoyable to watch. I, uh, I very much enjoy watching Romello White. And I'll uh, – we actually have a mailback question that came in late – uh, this evening right before we hit the record button about Luis Rodriguez he just is one of those guys that does the things you need to do to win basketball games that don't show up in the stat sheet and I know that's like a cliche thing to say but the dude's tough as nails he's a good defender I don't even know if he knows what he is as an offensive player yet um, you know it's kind of one of a late bloomer in that sense but the guy's tough as hell he defends and he gets rebounds and he makes every tough play when you need it and it's almost unfair to call him a glue guy because he's more important to Ole Miss than your typical glue guy. But that's kind of the role he plays in that sense. And to your point, you know, he's a guy that's very hard to get frustrated with um, because of the things that he does and the role that he plays and how well he does it. Yeah, I mean, it just just extremely tough, extremely gritty. Uh, I think if Kermit could draw up a player, I think they would look like almost exactly like Luis Rodriguez. Um, yeah, I mean, I. I thoroughly enjoy watching that guy play basketball. Look, it was it was a good win. Um, not a whole lot of drama, and I think that's a good thing, right? Because it's hard to get emotionally up for two games in a row. So when you win by 17, not a whole lot of emotional capital spent. Um, because there's probably – look, if Ole Miss is going to win tomorrow, it ain't going to be by 17. Uh, my, my heart and other uh, organs in my body would probably appreciate it being by 17. But uh, reality tells me that's not going to happen. If Ole Miss wins tomorrow, it's probably going to be an extremely uh, closely contested game. Um, let's just talk about the big picture here. 
win tomorrow and it's over, right? Like, I think it's pretty safe to say at this point. Look, I'll say this. I think there's a chance Ole Miss could lose tomorrow and get in. I think it is 100% over there in if they come off the floor with a victory over LSU tomorrow. I'd probably agree that the number is somewhere close to 100% if they do win tomorrow because one of the things we talked about Sunday night in what is usually a baseball show, we were just kind of hitting on the hoops thing and talking about how they, hey, they maybe actually don't have to do as much as we originally thought they did when we, uh, when we were kind of projecting this two weeks out. Uh, and, and, and kind of adding on to what you're talking about, it all depended on what happened around Ole Miss, and that's kind of what we discussed as far as the bubble and everything else. And, you know, it, it's it's hard to go through and, and kind of tally each good break they've gotten. They've gotten quite a few in the last 24 hours. I'll just contextualize it this way. They haven't had a bad break yet. Xavier, a very bubbly Xavier team, loses to a bad Butler team last night, which really helped Ole Miss, you know, it sucks. I did, I hate doing the Duke thing because it sucks that their season ends on COVID. I know it's Duke. People like to make fun of them. That blows. Your season ends. It does. It, it does. I hate that for the Duke kids. But, I mean, you know, it's, and this year that, that, that happens. Also, you're at Duke. Maybe don't put yourself on the NCAA tournament bubble. Of course, I guess it doesn't matter, though, right? Because even if, like, they were a two seed and they got COVID this week, they're probably not going to the tournament. They also weren't beating Florida State. It's just the possibility that they two, the two took the court at the same time. You yeah, know? Florida State was only favored by three, though. I just don't buy that. I think Florida State would have run them out of the gym. I think Florida State at full strength is very good. And I, I just – I don't know. I didn't buy it. I get it. Everyone didn't want to talk themselves in the Duke thing. They were playing better. I just – I think Florida State would have won. But, I mean, on top of that, you have what Syracuse loses. They're very bubbly uh, thanks to that – whatever that kid's name is that hit the three for Virginia at the buzzer. Like, yeah. long story short, we can go through all these. Ole Miss has not had a bad break, and no. it brings us to your original statement, is, like, if they do win on Friday night against LSU, it does feel like enough no matter what happens Saturday. I, I, I think that's not a foregone conclusion at this point, but there was a time where we were talking about this seven days ago where it would have kind of been like, yeah, you feel pretty good if you happen to beat LSU, but – it's win Saturday just in case. I don't. I don't think that last qualifier exists anymore. No. I. I think, frankly, I'll put it like this. I think if you're an Ole Miss fan, regardless of what happens tomorrow night, you should watch the selection show. Um, and you know, if you win tomorrow night, you should probably expect to get in. Um, I think there's a chance they they get in if you know they don't win. I mean, it's you know, at the end of the day, they are all bubble resumes. You see which ones that the uh, NCAA likes more, but. Um, you know, as, as far as breaks, yeah, you mentioned Xavier. Uh, a big one that, that people don't really think about much, and I get it because these aren't two bubble teams, uh, was Mississippi State winning this morning. And I, I didn't want to root for Mississippi State either, but I did. Uh, that gave Ole Miss a quad, or quad one win, uh, assuming Mississippi State gets into the top 75. I think they came in today at 77 and went over Kentucky on a neutral four. We'll certainly bumped that up. Um, and then, you, you know, I'm just talking about this logistics of things so you know Seton Hall is is on the bubble right well Seton Hall needs to win big games to get off the bubble which means they really needed to play Villanova tomorrow guess what happened to Villanova today they got sent home so yeah they get to probably win and beat a hapless Georgetown team but that doesn't do anything for your resume 
Um, you know, Boise State gets beat this afternoon, right? and that probably knocks them out of the tournament. Lose to a, a Nevada team that's got a, around a 100 net. Yeah, if you're Kermit Davidson on Miss, this week, up until this point, could not have gone better without maybe the exception of you wish Syracuse would have lost to NC State on Wednesday. But outside of that, it's gone about as well as possible. Yeah, and, and kind of adding to what you're talking about with the Big East is I agree with what you're talking about with Seton Hall. But Seton Hall and, and, and Georgetown, in my opinion, are kind of one and the same right now in terms of their mindset. Because, yeah, Seton, Georgetown not on the bubble. Obviously, Seton Hall squarely on it. But if you're Seton Hall right now, you're thinking automatic bid, right? I mean, it's right there for the taking. The way they're playing – like, yeah, they, they have who, who, like, who's left in that tournament that you absolutely can't beat? They don't exist, right? Like, they're probably thinking automatic bid right sure, now. Right? But man, beating Creighton or UConn is going to be a nightmare right now. True, because that is a, that's a fair point. Because, you know, it's, it's still kind of the whole underrated thing. Once UConn got that book night kid back, they, they might actually be the best but team. Like, the you think about it, if if you're Seton Hall today watching that Nova game, you're getting a Nova team without, what, their two best players? Because uh, Gillespie tears his MCL, and someone else is hurt, if I'm not mistaken. Not Earls Jones. I can't remember who. But, I mean, you're getting a half – not a hapless, but a, a Nova team that's nowhere near as good as itself. But if you win the game, it's a quad one win, and that's all that matters. And all of a sudden, Georgetown makes a hellacious comeback and hits some free throws at the buzzer and wins the game. And now you're playing a game that's barely a quad two game. Um, so now you, if you're Seton Hall, you pretty much have to win this tournament at this point. And that is not a fun place to be in where you have to beat Creighton or UConn playing your third game in three days. And just one more quick kind of college hoops junkie note on that. And, you know, as, as much of a hot seat as the other Hurley is on, uh, the the Dan Hurley guy and what he's done at UConn, yeah, in a short amount of time is is pretty damn remarkable. And you knew he was a good coach for what he did at Rhode Island, but that wasn't as clean of a situation. I know what people thought it was a little bit of a mess at UConn, mm-hmm. whatever they've got national titles. That was a mess uh, when he did, yeah. and they switched into a stronger conference. And look where they're at. I, I think he's done a remarkable job. Yeah, and especially when you consider Bookwright was out for what. Three three weeks or so this year. Oh, I, um, I, I, I again not a not an avid UConn basketball fan, but do like college basketball with the Big East. I, dude, I think he missed like a month and a half. Yeah, it was it was a while, and they struggled when he was gone, and now they're solidly in the tournament. Will be fine. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's done one hell of a job. I don't think Bobby Hurley gets another year. I probably wouldn't give him another year after watching some of their games this year. Good God. Um, and also, I bringing it back to an Ole Miss perspective, yeah. I would maybe not give him another year because of the number zero guy playing for uh, the the mighty Rebels this year, not the Sun Devils. Yeah, maybe he wanted a graduate degree at Ole Miss or something. I don't know, um, but yeah, I, that that guy does not deserve another year. Um, you know, we mentioned Frank Martin. I think you know, just going around real quick. I think uh, Rick Pitino at Minnesota is probably gone. Uh, the the prom guy at Iowa State should be good. God. I would hope Bruce Weber is. There's going to be a decent amount of, of change in college basketball this year. Yeah, I agree. Even I mean, it, it. I think the college football thing, when you had the normal coaching cycle as usual, and you could argue an even crazier one, that yeah, put that storyline of no one's getting fired because no one can yeah, cry up. And I, I say that condescendingly. I actually kind of fell into that camp to some degree. I didn't think it would be that extreme to where, quote, unquote, 
No one gets fired, but I thought teams would be strapped for cash. A lesson learned. No one gives a shit. Hey, uh, I asked for Friday on Les Miles, and all I needed was Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, it was really the day after <laughs> it stopped. I mean, it was like 36 hours after Just made it Tuesday. Yeah, like, I mean, it was coming, right? It was just a matter of when. Um, hey, they, they fired the AD while they were at it. Both of you got to go. Honestly, it would have been more of a power move to fire Jeff Long first, but hey, I, you know, I'm not one to I I'm not one running an athletic department or a school. But if you really want to make a splash and make a statement about how incompetence is not going to be tolerated anymore, fire Jeff Long and then get to the problem guy. All right, real quick, who wins the SEC basketball tournament? Ooh, I'm not going Alabama. I don't either because I think they peaked too soon. Bracken and I talked about this last night. I think it may be the Arkansas Razorbacks. I have them getting beat tomorrow. Ooh. I think Missouri. I think Missouri is a tough matchup for them. I think LSU wins, and I mean that tells you what I think happens tomorrow night. But we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I don't like Will Wade. I wouldn't disagree with that either. Uh, that would actually probably be my second choice. I just think Arkansas has played so well for the second half. Yeah, they, have. they haven't lost in three months or two months. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fully healthy. I mean, they're 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 like a one-loss team. Uh, kind of reeling it back into Ole Miss, talking about their bubble, their bubble chances. You know, Joe Lenardi's last bracketology he posted. This is the time of year where he doesn't even do it on the site. Like he didn't. Right. I think he just starts posting screenshots. His note was so Ole Miss before they played the game moved up from the first team on the next four out two into the left, into the first four out category. And his note on top of it that said, was, quote, Ole Miss took the first team out by beating South Carolina by the end of the night. So that kind of tells you that one more win is upset. Yeah, yeah, especially because you would think, though, that one more win makes them better than Syracuse. And, yeah, I, I you know, obviously you don't need any bid stealers out of the Mountain West. Um, but, you know. That's that's life on the bubble. Uh, I'm currently watching a Fresno State Colorado State game that I don't have money on, uh, which is a new experience. But yeah, I mean, I, I think a win tomorrow and it's done. Um, you know, I, I I hesitate a little to say a hundred percent, but man, it would take something kind of crazy at this point because the way you look at this, right? So I, I mean, I'll give an example. St. John's loses today; their season is over. And they and Lenardi doesn't even replace them in the next four out because there's nobody coming up that can it realistically take a spot. All right, you look at two teams in front of Ole Miss and Lenardi's bracket. If I'm not mistaken, St. Louis and maybe Xavier, they are not playing another game, um, so they can't improve their resume. I, I just, man, if you win one more game, you're definitely jumping them. And you know, I another thing that I've you know sucker myself into is Lenardi also isn't the know-all be all like we use him because he's easily accessible there's actually a lot of guys that are better than this than he is um so you know I I I think if almost wins tomorrow you you should probably sleep you know fairly well on Friday night and then if they went on Saturday this thing's over the weirdest part about this team season is, and I don't want to re go back and rehash Ole Miss's full 2021 season again because Bracken Ray and I did that on a pod that dropped uh, Thursday morning if you want to go back and listen to that as well. 
But it's an interesting point because you and I have talked about it quite a few times. With So this team, we're, we're pretty much in agreement now, has, you know, 40 minutes to go to you know, kind of go punch their ticket, right? Yeah. Against a team, hard. right, that's not playing for a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, like you want to win, but what exactly is LSU playing for this week? Not a whole lot, and a team that's been wildly inconsistent this year. And I think it's a bad matchup, and we can get in that to a second. But you're right on top of that. But, at this, like, you know, you thought this team was going to be an NCAA tournament team coming into the season. You know, they have the weird COVID thing to start the year that honestly in some ways may have turned out to be a blessing because they didn't really ever go on pause or have any issues at all. Again, the right. played 18 conference games with no issues, but no normal non-conference, right? I mean, they were, they were – they were 10 and 8 in SEC playing a 15 win team. Like that just kind of contextualizes how weird this year was. It got so bad in January. You're sitting there thinking, like, is this team going to win five conference games? Yeah. I kept saying four and 14. <laughs> I mean, right, I'll admit. At the same time, they had that streak in February. And if they handle, if they don't throw up on themselves and lose that inexplicable game against Mississippi State at home that no one was paying attention to because the baseball team was playing in Arlington, you know, some half a mile from where I'm sitting right now, and then they don't lose to Vanderbilt without their two leading scores, you're talking about a 10-game win streak in a team that's already in the tournament. You realize they would have won two games in a row if they don't lose those two games? Yeah, and you realize, I, I really think at this point if they just won one of them, they're, they're kind of good. Oh, it's um, over. If you particularly the Vanderbilt one, right? Yeah, Vanderbilt's a horrific loss, I, and I I will never understand that one. Um, never. But yeah, yeah, that one. Maybe they just shouldn't play at the same time the baseball team is. If they considered that, ah, uh, crap! Tomorrow night. Oh god. I would bet Mike Kennedy considered that a couple of times. Mike, Mike needs to move the game up. There, I fixed it. Because you remember the Vanderbilt game was happening about the same time Elko hit a walk-off on UCF. Yes. I, I have fixed Ole Miss athletics. And it's a weird thing to talk about in terms of an interest level thing, right? Because one of the points I brought up with Bracken last night, it was like it, this, this vibe surrounding this team entering Nashville, and I get it's a pandemic year, and like interest is probably fragmented just in general because it's not a normal season. You don't have fans going to the games. You know the gist, blah, blah, blah. But this felt like an AK team that was just playing out the string and didn't have it this year to where this team was actually, you know, in better position than pretty much any other bubble team in the last two decades in terms of being outside looking in going into national. They, they technically had to do less than most of these other teams that uh, Ole Miss has brought to the tournament have had to do in the last two decades. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was fairly – Clear cut. I mean, especially now, it's one two games. Um, so tomorrow, you get your opportunity uh, against LSU again. I don't think it's a great matchup. If I had to pick, I think Ole Miss gets beat tomorrow. I obviously hope I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, I, I think this team should not have had to go to Nashville and get work done to, to be in the tournament. But you know, you put yourselves in this position. It's kind of like the guy that doesn't, you know, take class seriously until like you know March 28th. And it's like, ah, crap, I should probably start doing some papers. And now you got to make an 84 on your final exam to get a B and keep your scholarship. Well, you know, you just better make an 84 on your final exam and get you a B. Uh, you know, just kind of get it done. But, uh, look, Ole Miss has, like you said, 40 minutes tomorrow to punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. You know, matchups, I, you know, and I, I know that I'm saying this kind of sarcastically, but matchups be damned. Like, 
all it takes is Devontae Shuler just d- deciding, you know what, we're going to the tournament and going 12 of 18 and hitting five threes and, oh, you look up and Ole Miss is 175 to 68 or something like that. And you talk about a single game and a single 40 minutes that can alter your legacy for forever. Oh, man. Out and dropped 30 tomorrow night. That's one of those things that done it. And I wrote about it in the newsletter today, and we talked about it some on yesterday's pod, about just what Le- Shuler's legacy will be versus maybe what it should be. And I don't want to get fully into that again. And I kind of was saving the full kind of Shuler obit until the season was actually over. But, like, that, that, these are the kind of nights that changes that. If he goes out and drops 30 tomorrow and puts the offense on his back, which they're going to need. Like, it's either going – they're going to need 20 from him and then about 15 from, you know, Jarkel and, and Morell apiece or just some monster game from Romello. Like, they're going to need something like that. And just looking at the stat sheet tonight, geez, Romello was good. 17 yeah. on 8 of 12 with six rebounds, you know, three blocks – one turnover and an assist. You know, Schuer goes 15 points, seven to 13, three rebounds, five assists, pretty much what he was at all year. And then Joyner scores 18 points, which I guess is as good a sign as any. Got to the free throw line a bunch. I think he shot six free throws. Wasn't terribly yeah. efficient shooting, but the, that's the kind of thing they're going to need for Joyner and, uh, and Morell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Morell was actually pretty good tonight, which was an encouraging sign after, uh, frankly, uh, an underwhelming freshman season. And and I don't think that's any reason to write the kid off or anything, but he hasn't played well this year. Uh, but, yeah, look, your guards are going to have to show up. Um, if they don't, Ole Miss has no prayer tomorrow. They're going to have to guard. They're going to have to keep guys out of the lane. Look, Vontage uh, Schuler is a pretty good on-ball defender. Jarkel plays his tail off. But it's going to be a situation tomorrow night where – what do you think Kermit does? You think he plays a lot of zone? And it, because man, if they don't keep them out of the paint, they are not winning tomorrow night. Can Ole Miss keep them out of the paint? I don't know, man. I think they did the one time they played LSU earlier this year. Or was that game post? No, they did. They played them no. once. They played them. Yeah, they Oxford. played them in Oxford. Got the it was a mix. I don't like. My thing is, is I don't. I'm not necessarily worried about Ole Miss defensively, even though it's not necessarily a great matchup, because I wish you could kind of shoot over the top of you. Like, I'm not necessarily worried about it as much defensively. It's just like Ole Miss could play good and LSU, defensively, and LSU could still score 70 points. Like, Ole Miss is just going to have to be something offensively they haven't been for a lot of the year. So, I don't know what he does. I don't know how, if he tries to junk it up and really turn this game into a, you know, Tennessee-type 52-50 thing, or at least do everything he can to do it. I don't know what he does from a schematic standpoint. I just know that if Ole Miss wins the game tomorrow, it's because they played not flawless or perfect, but an offense they played at a level offensively they haven't played in quite a while. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, so you know, uh, look, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting uh, interesting contest to uh, say the least. As far as you know, I kind of made a thing to look at as far as bubble teams tomorrow there's not a ton because you know pretty much everybody uh was eliminated today except for the exception of uh utah state and then colorado state is is playing as we speak so there's not a real uh seton hall plays more plays georgetown tomorrow but yeah there's not really there was a lot to look at today there's not really a lot to look at tomorrow as far as bubble teams go it's kind of it, it, it's kind of slim pickings after, you know, the death march today. 
One note, random note, I put this in the newsletter today. And if you, I put this on Twitter too. So uh, you have to, you have to disclose yourself if you saw this and it's a spoiler. How many games has Devonte Shuler not played in in his own this career? I have no idea. He didn't play in every one his freshman year. I know that, but uh, I know, I know he played in every one his sophomore year. And I would assume everyone from then on, because I know his sophomore year, the kid basically played with a a stress fracture the entire year in his foot. Um, he, he like exudes uh, toughness by the way, but yeah, I, I don't know, but it's not, I know he missed some his freshman year, but uh, I don't think it was a ton. He is not, he has not missed a game. Wow. So AK played him every game his freshman year. He did. So he only started nine games, but he saw minutes in every single game they played huh. his freshman year, which was my second instinct. My first instinct was exactly what you were talking about when he had the bum foot his sophomore year. Because I was covering the team still then, obviously. I could have sworn on anything he no. missed at least one game, but apparently he did it. No. He didn't start he played every, when the he foot played every night. Bad, but he's played every single game of his career. Yeah, he played every – I remember that. Uh, he played every night. And I, I'll tell you something else about Devontae is they won a game in 2019, his sophomore year at Missouri, where Devontae on that team was the third option. But for whatever reason, Terrence Davis got in foul trouble. And Brian Tyree, look, I love Brian, but if you were around that team and you knew that team, Brian could get in his feelings a little bit. And he was in his feelings at Missouri because he couldn't hit a shot. He wouldn't guard. And uh, Devontae Shuler decided he was going to put up 24 and bring Ole Miss back from down 12 and, and win the game. And, and that's what put him in the NCAA tournament that year. Um, and he did all this playing on a stress fracture. He he has been a phenomenal player for Ole Miss, and I really, really hope he wins tomorrow and takes this team to the tournament because that kid deserves that. I agree. I hope he gets another two weeks to continue to add to this legacy. And that's, you know, part of what I wrote about today is, like, you know, between that and, you know, the Missouri game and whatever that other game was, he didn't start in 18. So they played 33 games in the 18-19 season, and he yeah. didn't start two of them. And it wasn't for any other reason. Those two he didn't start were in that <laughs> early February stretch. And it was because the foot thing got just so bad. He just kind of played when he had to for a week. And they tried to keep him off it as much as possible. Some reason I, I was say I was saying he was so invaluable to that team. They couldn't just, like, sit him for a game. Like he had to do something. And that was what those two starts were about. But I was – I was amazed by that, um, just kind of looking that stat up and being like, this guy really hasn't missed another game. And he doesn't talk a whole lot. You know, I think maybe one of the more underrated accomplishments that he's had this year is kind of coming out of his shell and coming you know, outside of what he, he's comfortable with in himself to kind of be the alpha they've needed as far as a leader, particularly on the defensive end of the floor. And not only average you know, 16 a game in the SEC and be a first-team all-league player, but also kind of be a vocal alpha because it's not a knock on the kid. And we talked about this going into the year. It's not really his personality. And so I think between the durability and him doing this this year, even though people may not have been paying attention all the time, are probably the two things I'll remember Devontae Shuler for more so than anything else. Yeah. I mean, look, this is – this was – and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the highest-rated kid that almost signed before Matt Morrell. He was right he's Matt Morrell. Do what? He was AK's Matt Morell. Yes. Yeah. Um, so 
you know, and hopefully if you're Ole Miss, you look back and you hope, you know, Morrell transfers or, or translate the way Shuler did. Good grief, that would be nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, this kid had offers from everywhere now, and then he picked Ole Miss, and, you know, he's had one hell of a career. And, and like I said, I, I really, for him, he kind of, to me, and look, these play, they don't play the same way, but his career, in a way, reminds me a little bit of Jarvis Summers, right? Like, he's just tough. He plays for four years. Uh, he gives you everything he has. He plays point guard where I don't think that's his most natural position where I don't think that was Jarvis's. Um, Jarvis more so than, than Shuler uh, was closer to actually being his normal position. But, I, yeah, look, look I, I think he's going to go down as, as one of the best players, you know, in, in this decade, uh, especially if he can win tomorrow and get this team into the tournament. Yeah, I don't hate that comparison at all. It's just fortunately for sure, and to be honest, it kind of looked like he might be heading down the Jarco, excuse me, the Jarvis Summers path for a while in the sense there's part of the middle of his career where he's dealing with a lot of nagging injuries. Where Jarvis had that back thing, and by the end of it, he was just a shell of himself. He couldn't walk. Down on him. Where Shuler's kind of been able to rectify it and still looks healthy and athletic. But I don't hate that. I mean, in terms of the toughness and everything else and just kind of showing up to play every single night you step in the gym, whether you're going to get credit or not, I agree. I think he's probably the better case scenario of what turned out to be, to be Jarvis Summers because towards the end, like I mentioned, Jarvis's back was just like, okay, there's, there's just not a whole lot else this guy can do. And thankfully that didn't turn out to be what Shuler's fate was. Yeah. Yeah, Jarvis at the end was a shell of himself, and it's kind of heartbreaking. Because if you remember Jarvis real quick, his junior year, he was phenomenal. Like, he was the best player on that team. That team had Marshall Henderson um, the year before they went to the tournament, the, the in-between years of the tournament, so I guess 13, 14. Yeah, I mean, when he was healthy, he was phenomenal. But, yeah, man, look, um, she's going to have to bring it tomorrow night now. If or, Yeah, Friday night. He's going to have to bring it. He He can't. Look, I love the kid to death, but he can't go over fifteen like he did when State showed up. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to go for twenty twenty five tomorrow night, or Ole Miss is going to be sweating on Selection Sunday. He can't disappear. You can't ever forget where he is on the floor. Like you can't ever oh. forget that he's out there. And that's kind of been a fun knock on him that that's the case sometimes, and that, like you mentioned, that can't be the case tomorrow. Like he, he's got to be special. He uh, look, I love the kid to death, but. Have you ever noticed, like, how bad he is finishing at the rim? He doesn't have the the blow-by speed or kind of explosiveness that Brian did. I think some of that's a product of watching Brian for three years and being like, why can't this guy do that? Well, no, I'm just talking about, like, in transition. Like, and not, not even in half-court settings. But, like, you know how most guys, they get a breakaway or it's one-on-one going at the rim. They're going to win about 80% of the time. Or for whatever reason, that's the only thing this poor kid struggles with. He's a really good on-ball defender. I think he shoots three pretty well. He runs the offense well. My guy just kind of struggles when he's going at the rim one-on-one. I just noticed that tonight. I think he missed like three or four uh, transition layups with, you know, what's a one-on-one play at the rim. Fair enough. And so kind of – Kind of spinning this forward, we've, I think we've kind of covered every angle of this Ole Miss-LSU deal. Again, don't love the matchup. Ole Miss is just going to have to be special offensively. But, hey, they got a puncher's chance. Let's uh, let's hit these mailbag questions because I think we're going to get a blend of uh, hoops and baseball 
uh, right. along with the normal ridiculousness we get. As long as I don't have to answer the TV one, because while I understand that is a very good question, I agree. I don't watch enough TV to uh, answer that question. So uh, I'm going to let you take that one. Fair enough. I just uh, – I almost feel like I needed like two days or so to think about this. but I have a, <laughs> That I was have a great question. So let's roll right into this deal. Would Ole Miss beating South Carolina and LSU and then making it to Saturday only to lose to Georgia again and dropping their net and putting them back on the wrong side of the bubble be the most we are Ole Miss thing ever? I've never really uh, that, thought into that saying. I find it overrated, but uh, I think we kind of answered this question. I, d- I don't even think that's possible. Well, not possible. Not, well, possible. not likely. Well, I mean, Georgia's at home now, so it's impossible. Um, but, yes. Possible. Yeah. No, no, it was possible because if you remember, right, so 2013, Ole Miss plays uh, Missouri. on the When, when AK gets to the tournament, um, he's probably going to get fired if he doesn't. They beat Missouri on Friday night. And everybody's like, all right, if they if they play Kentucky on Saturday, they're probably, you know, it's not a bad loss. And, you know, you have a shot at making the tournament. But Ole Miss wound up playing a horrible Vanderbilt team where at, you're like, if they lose, this is a bad loss and they're screwed. That would kind of be the case with Georgia if you wound up with them Saturday. Thankfully, Missouri put them out. So Ole Miss is not going to end up with a bad loss regardless of what happens the next two days. Bigger accomplishment, Omaha for baseball or basketball making the NCAA tournament? I'm going to let you answer this one because I want to see what you say. Oh, man. So this, this one's easy for me. I think it's baseball. Yeah, it's baseball. Just because hoops hoops is a fifth – I mean, they're, I guess, 16 and 10 team now, and they haven't had a great year uh, by any stretch. They're – Deserve all the credit in the world. And, we again, if you've listened to any of these other shows, I've talked about this. They deserve credit for not folding it up in January when it looked really bad. It's been a weird year. Teams have had to overcome a lot. But it's a very weak bubble. It was a very weak SEC. And Ole Miss is very fortunate to have, as Bracken kind of put it the other night, have gotten back on the bubble so quickly, particularly after that bad loss against Vanderbilt where everyone kind of felt like maybe that was the death knell. And how quickly they jumped back on it. I think that was more of a product of their surroundings than anything they did, obviously. So while in most years my answer would be basketball, I I think this answer is baseball. And I think it's 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 a combination of the lack there of of competition as far as hoops and the postseason kind of you know resume that Ole Miss baseball has in addition to how hard the SEC is, in addition to how much injury poor luck they've had so far this year. I think it's going to be harder for baseball. So I'll give baseball the nod here if they do it. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, this basketball team was projected to to make the tournament for, you know, I, I think the goal was to make the tournament this year. Look, obviously Ole Miss baseball's goal is to always make the College World Series, but I just kind of think, you know, making the final eight of college baseball is, is a little bit harder than making the NCAA tournament. You know, maybe I'm wrong in that thinking, but one of those seems a little bit harder than uh, than the other for me. Yeah, I agree. And, I, I again, I, I'm honestly looking at it this year in a vacuum. Like, in a normal year, I'm not sure if I'd agree, given, like, what both programs are working with, where their foundation started and everything else. Um, 
But in terms of the context of this year, I would certainly agree it's baseball. Um, but it's, it's, it's not a bad question, and I don't think it's no. a large margin. No, it's, it's, it's certainly not. I mean, Ole Miss baseball, from, from a you know, competitive standpoint, has more advantages than Ole Miss basketball does, to be absolutely certain. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, look, you know, you've got a lot of teams that are ineligible this year for the postseason um, in college basketball. You've got some teams, like, you're, you got an extra spot because the Ivy League's not playing. Um, you know, so, at, look, is it an extremely impressive accomplishment? I would say absolutely. Anytime Ole Miss is able to make the NCAA tournament in basketball, that would be an extremely impressive accomplishment. I, I just think, you know, winning a regional and then winning a super regional – I don't think you should take either one of those lightly. Those those are hard things to do, and and if Ole Miss is able to do that this year, I would, that would be an extremely impressive accomplishment. John Ashton Hicks asked, "Deal or no deal?" If it meant that Ole Miss could never play in another postseason game, bowl games, college football playoff, et cetera, ever, but Ole Miss baseball is guaranteed to win this year's regular season SEC title, tournament title in Hoover, and College World Series, do you take it? No, I don't. Um, no, no postseason football game ever. That is correct. That's his stipulation. No, no. And, and look, I, I think I'm probably one of the bigger college baseball and Ole Miss baseball fans you'd find. I, I don't think Ole Miss University can survive that. Like, and I'm just kind of speaking theoretically, obviously here. But if if Ole Miss football becomes Kansas, like the the university is in trouble. So no, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think you were one of the more biased people to be able to answer that question. I just, I, I would, I probably wouldn't take that either. Another one from, uh, another good one from Brody Clayton, who asked the uh, bigger accomplishment question. Do you think Doug getting hurt is going to usher Gunner into the Friday night rule permanently when Doug returns healthy? Does he go to Saturday? Um, I think so. You know, we we spent a lot of time talking about new Mike Bianco who bunted on Wednesday night and made me sad. But other than that, um, I think Mike Bianco wants to keep Gunner on Saturday for a lot of different reasons. I don't – let's put it this way. I don't think Gunner can pitch his way into a Friday night role. I think Doug Nikhazy would have to pitch himself out of a Friday night role. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I'm just not sure I agree. I just – I think they want – like, Doug and Gunner have completely different mindsets, right? Like, I, I just kind of envision Doug as being the guy on Friday night that you want to have the baseball and wants the baseball, whereas Gunner's just kind of laid back and chill, uh, not real fiery. I, I just kind of think Doug has that mentality that succeeds on Friday night because it's a, it's a bear in that league now. Counterpoint. Freshman year, I would like, I kind of, I, I don't say I kind of agree. Gunner did have the kind of like dejected personality, and on top of his struggles, like I remember looking at Chase a couple of times, like on top of the way he was struggling on the mound, it was like, what was this kid's reaction when the Pirates offered him $1.7 million? Was he bummed about taxes? Like, what's this guy's problem? And, <laughs> and, but I think he's changed that in the very small sample size I got to see last year before the shutdown. And obviously I'm not on the beat full time anymore. He seemed like a different, more confident guy. And so I'm not oh, even yeah. disagreeing with what you're saying, but would your opinion change if he 
shoves at Texas A&M on a Saturday night and goes eight and a half, and you see him yelling, walking off the mountain, barking at dudes. No. So my opinion, or, or Mike Bianco's opinion, because those are two different things, I think you should put your best – yeah, I think you should put your best pitcher on Saturday. Like, um, up until postseason where you might need to make a decision. But, yeah, I think playing SEC weekends, I put my best pitcher on Saturday. That way, especially if I have a guy on Friday nights like Doug Nikhazy that can go win on Friday nights. Because if I went on Friday in 17 staring down the, the bullet hole at you, good luck. Um, so, if it were me, I would do everything possible to keep – keep Gunnar Hoagland on Saturday. And that, obviously he's going to go this Friday with Doug being out. But, you know, if it's if it's me, Doug would have to have a few bad outings in a row and pitch me out of Friday night games before I made a change there. Agreed. That, Gunner going on Friday is not the interesting story for this weekend to me. It's who's going on Saturday and who's going on Sunday. This weekend or after? Well – why would you not move the Sunday guy up and let the other guy take uh, – why would you not move Diamond to Saturday if you're going to move Hoagland up? And why would you put McDaniel on Saturday? That, that, that's a question I'd like to have answered. I guess we could, you know, see this weekend. But I just kind of thought the, the placement of those two was interesting. I did too, but my justification was this one that at ULM, and I know they're not terrible, particularly as terrible as ULM has been in the past. They brought some truly horrific teams to Oxford. But the second part of that is, like, does he want to screw with Diamond right now in terms of routine? And, like, I don't want to say lack of trust, but Diamond hasn't pitched nearly his best so far. Do you want to screw with that in a weekend that it doesn't necessarily matter was kind of my rationale behind it. But I've I, – I, I've, I'm not like I'm not. It's not even like a counterpoint. I found that peculiar too. I was just that was the reasoning I thought of out loud. Maybe so, but if I'm Derek Diamond and I see that, I know I better pitch well. Okay, so it, that could be part of it. You know, Mike loves sending messages. A lot of times, it's right in your face, two feet, uh, you know, two inches from you. Trust me on that one. But uh, <laughs> a lot of other times, it's it's subtle. Do you think that's part of it? It could be. I think you better pitch well this weekend because. Yeah, I think you better pitch well because Auburn rolls in here next weekend. The question I posed in the newsletter was, so just assume for a second Doug's not ready next weekend, and I don't know if that's the case. I actually might lean that way. again. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I would lean that he's not ready for Auburn. Um, If McDaniel sucks, and I mean like sucks, sucks, like it's Mm -hmm. like – couple innings you know he's out of there in the second or the third and it's like okay this didn't go well what do you do going into Auburn like the thing the, oh, the big scenario I posed was like obviously Gunner Friday uh-huh. Derek Saturday do you figure out what you have left in the pen for Sunday at Auburn and fire those bullets is Tyler Myers an option what are you doing if if I have two qualifiers here but what are you doing here if one McDaniel was not good, and two, Doug is not ready. Well, Jackson Campbell, that's what I would do. The, the kid that started the midweek games last year, that, that's what I would do. I, you know, Mike obviously has forgotten more baseball now, I'll, I'll ever know. Um, but, yeah, that, that's what I would do is I would go with Jackson Campbell. So you don't think – I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong. I find that interesting. You don't think there's a chance that Mike – Burns him on a Friday or a Saturday? Uh, if 
he knew Doug was going. No, I, I think, look, I mean, yeah, Mike my, my could. I'm just, you know, that's what I would do. Um, yeah, sure. But and, and you could have the situation like they did in 2012 where you go pitch on Friday and Saturday with your guys and see what you got left on Sunday. You could absolutely do that because you got a deep enough bullpen to do it. Um, I mean, both of those are options. But as far as what I'd do is I would – I would throw uh, Gunner on Friday. I would throw Jackson Kimberl and Derek Diamond on the next two days and see what happens. Um, Jackson Kimberl has been really, really good, you know. Um, so, I don't know. I would say I lean like I lean towards, you know, hopefully if you're Ole Miss, uh, Drew McDaniel is good this weekend because I think there is a – and, look, this isn't like sourced or anything. I haven't heard this. Uh, I do think there's a possibility Doug doesn't pitch against Auburn. I do too, just based on the type of injury. And, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, they equate it to the hamstring of the shoulder. And you talk about I mean, what, what's the most cliche term in sports when you talk about lingering injuries? It's like knee stuff and hamstring stuff, right? Like, right. and the only thing is to rest it. And so, like, you know, if they test it for his bullpen on a, like, that's the weird part about this is they test that thing on Tuesday for his bullpen or whatever, and it's not ready then. They're probably not testing again on Thursday afternoon. Like, he's probably no. scratched at that point, right? Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they tried it one more time, like on Friday, to see maybe if he could throw a bullpen inning or two. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to – yeah, you're going to have to make that decision pretty quickly for, for a lot of different reasons. Your guys need to know who's going on certain days over the weekend. So, yeah, I, I don't think Ole Miss pushes that decision much farther than, like you said, Tuesday next week. Yeah, again, purely guessing, like you said, I, I just lean that he's not ready until Alabama. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. I, I mean, hopefully for their sake, I am. I, uh, again, just a guess on my part. Um, anyway, so uh, kind of a pivot here. I don't even know what the second part of this means or the first part. The guy says, better Grove concert, Nelly or Thomas Rhett. The only reason I have any idea what this question means is because uh, I got drug by my now girlfriend when we first met to a Thomas Rhett concert in the Grove when I was a freshman. Um, so I don't really know a whole lot about Mr. Nelly, but it couldn't have been worse than what I saw. Um, well, so like uh, Nelly, fun fact, were you at the Austin Anderson intentional walk game? I was not. I don't remember where I was, but I was not there. Okay, that happened on the same night. So imagine me being having someone try to explain to me at this concert how Ole Miss just won this baseball game. It did not compute in my head for a multiple uh, – for a number of different reasons. Um, but anyways, I would go Nelly. I was at both. I, I, I liked Nelly more. Uh, he, you know, he didn't sing many songs, but it was, it was a good time. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I think I would go Nelly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm just not a huge country music guy. And, like, it wasn't your typical country music scene where you walk in there and you're like, shit, I don't have boots on. Does that mean I have to have a dip in? Like, how does this work? Um, I just – it was not as much uh, my type of music, although it was work. a great, great Sunday afternoon, beautiful day. I'd actually gotten yeah. done working a baseball game. Uh, just just not my type of music. Were, uh, were, were you a dip guy in high school? No, I took a dip on a junior high football bus one time on the way back from some – Shit, when uh -huh. the Delta we played and yacked, and that was interesting. Yeah, see, that was my issue is uh, I put one in during BP, like my 10th grade year, and I forgot I had it in. 
and then I got sick. So that was the end of my experience as well. I didn't even forget I had it in. There was no way I could have forgotten. It just did not go well. <laughs> you were you were readily aware. Yeah, I was readily aware and readily aware I'd made a huge mistake. <laughs> did, uh, did did your parents find out? Because mine did, and were not happy. Oh no! I yuked in the uh, I yuked in the porta the not the porta John, but I made it to the bathroom in the back, and and we kept it under wraps. I would say. There you go. So this was before or after the game. This is after. I mean, it wouldn't even um, matter if it was before. I wasn't going to play. Like, someone could have <laughs> died, um, and I probably still wouldn't have played. So, like, that, that was not the case, but it was, it was afterwards, and it was after a win. So, even if, you know, things had gotten fishy in terms of them suspecting me, I think they would have let it slide. <laughs> oh, goodness. High school days, man. Would you rather have the ability to teleport anywhere you want and time travel anywhere you want or be able to touch a book and immediately absorb all of the knowledge inside of it? This is I responded to this one pretty quickly. I can say the F word if I want to, but we got some sponsors thing in the works. So I'll hold off, but this is his weekly mind, uh, mind you know what. Yeah. Um, first off, that's Randy's question. Randy needs to be aware that I am on his couch again this weekend. Um, anyways. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, why would I need to absorb information from books? I have the internet, so I just want to teleport. Teleport sounds fun. Teleporting does sound fun. I'm gonna go with the book route because I, don't, uh, books. I just don't really know the bounds of that knowledge. If I start, you know, I mean, I could learn like jujitsu within a second if there's a jujitsu. Hold on, right, right? What good is you learning jujitsu gonna do? You like gonna start walking around kicking people's asses? It would help me in bar fights. I'm not the, 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 the biggest guy in the world. Day? If I start whipping ass because I touched a jujitsu book, that would seem pretty cool. How many bar fights have you been in, Brian? I'm not. I avoid them on purpose, but I might get a little more liberal with my words and, you know, maybe crash a bottle over the side of the thing and form a shank. Uh, I might need to do that if I've absorbed knowledge out of a jujitsu book and I'm a double black belt or whatever the hell that is. Do you remember when old buddy pulled the gun on? Not on us, but in the bar in Fayetteville. <laughs> yeah, and everyone had left me. It was after I'd done covering the game, and, like, everyone had left. Uh, not left permanently. You guys went outside to do something. Like, someone forgot yeah. a jacket or something. In the five minutes I'm in the bar by myself, of course the guy five feet in front of me starts pulling a gun, and I was like, is this real life? Right? Oh, no one's going to believe me when y'all come back. <laughs> That's the same night the uh, 83-year-old Uber driver tried to take us. Back to Springdale. That was an experience. I've had weird, weird experiences in 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 Fayetteville. As much as I love that town, I love Fayetteville. Oh, it's great. I love it. If it wasn't so damn far away, I'd visit a lot more frequently. But if you if you anyone's listening and remembers back to the radio days, Fayetteville is the same place for the 2019 Super. I had an Uber pick me up one night from a local watering hole where I met a college buddy. We listened to a some music and went back home and then he picked us up the next night with me chase like nate and uh nick sus and i didn't remember that he'd pick me up because who the hell remembers their uber driver and the guy just spends the entire time roasting me for apparently how drunk i was the night before there you go there's and also I had, a, uh... I had to wake up and cover a game the next day i mean it wasn't anything out of control and he just was so appalled i didn't remember who he was and just blamed it on the fact that i, I surely i had to have just had copious amounts of alcohol. I did not remember who this Uber driver was. So I had weird uh, things happen to me there. 
Uh, I yeah. forgot about the, the gun pulling part. That was uh that was not not cool. Glad that guy got tackled. I'll put it that way. Oh, you uh you also punched a hole in the wall with our Airbnb there. Yeah, I'm not taking the blame for that one. You punched, <laughs> you punched the hole in the wall, and that was uh, when everyone was bone dry sober. No, no, that was not in the, the next morning. So I wouldn't go that far. Fair I enough, guess. but it was it was over Vandy, Georgia. This was not some late night dispute. <laughs> Which I don't know if makes it better or worse. Let's move along. What uh what do you expect from the Rebels baseball season during the Casey's absence? Yeah, you know, we kind of hit on that a second ago. Yeah, you know, product of answering these in in and out of order. I mean they better hope it's not an extended absence. That changed the conversation. But just, just try to win two out of three for two weeks. Or I guess this weekend, sweet. But you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think it – for me, like, it doesn't change my expectations unless this lingers. Because, right, even if Nikhazy doesn't pitch against Auburn, I think Ole Miss should win two games. And if Nikhazy doesn't pitch against Alabama – I think Ole Miss should win two games. So if we get to week three and he's not pitching, well, now we got a problem. Um, but my expectations, no, they, they don't change until at least week three of SEC play. Are you concerned at all about the injury trajectory of this team? And I know that sounds stupid, because, uh, but bear with me here. Because I'm asking you to, like, believe in something that's not, like, rational or even tangibly feasible. But you know there's teams, don't, no matter the sport, if you have a long season, football is a little bit different. but I mean, there's NBA teams that's happened to every year. There's even college hoops. There's definitely major league baseball, and there's definitely college baseball, where it's just like, can we catch a break here with injury-wise? And Ole Miss is not even close to there yet, but they've had a lot of weird stuff happen, and I'm just, I'm just saying keep an eye on it. Yeah, I mean, that's – you know, I mean, you just hope it doesn't happen. Um, you know, they've kind of been, truth be told, a little lucky avoiding injuries. Obviously, Gray in 18 has the hamstring. Um, but you know, I, I don't No, I'm not worried about injuries yet, obviously. So I think Chatney coming back this weekend is going to help the lineup. Um, we'll see. It's, it's, it with Doug, you, you kind of saw it on Friday night. If you watched the game, that he wasn't feeling great. So, um, let me know when Doug comes back and then I think I could probably give a better answer to that question. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. It's like, what do you expect? It's like you kind of just expect him to hold water for a week or two. Now, his question is a lot more valid if we end up five weeks into this thing. And yes, it's absolutely. Your expectation. But I don't. it doesn't sound like it's going to be that. I'm just not as optimistic that he's back for Auburn necessarily. And, again, that was like not even – I don't even really know what I was trying to ask there. Like, of course, someone's hamstring has nothing to do with Doug – screwing up his shoulder just like four or five weird nagging things at this point and like and i guess if you if you believe in juju out there uh I hope this is not a bad juju thing because it's just kind of been a weird deal but to you know kind of adding on to what you just said maybe the whole shot and yay thing is kind of the shot in the arm this team maybe needs to kind of overcome not having your friday night guy on the mound for a weekend Hey, I was going to ask you, what do you read into this? No SEC baseball team has had to cancel a, a series because of COVID on their end, unless I'm missing one. No SEC team because of COVID has, has canceled on the SEC team's end. You buy anything into that? or Because I think that's interesting that we've played what now? Uh, 14, 
what I don't, I don't think Kentucky – oh, Kentucky missed their first weekend, excuse me. Past that, nobody else has, has had to cancel a series. That at least has to give you a lot of confidence that maybe you can get through an SEC series not or season not losing a whole bunch of games. You know, dude, that, honestly, that thought hasn't crossed my mind a whole hell of a lot. And maybe that's just my arrogance that I think, you know, I'm excited that the fact that it seems like we're kind of slowly beginning to put this whole thing behind us. Um, you know, this is a conversation for another day. But, you know, there's a world where all these dudes are vaccinated by late April, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, look, this obviously isn't political. Um, I'm pretty sure I read where Biden said that anybody that wants one by May 1st should be able to get one. I, I did. I read that today, which I found funny. Again, not getting political. Like, I, I don't mean this as like a dump on our president. I, I think he's done a decent, fine job, whatever you can gauge in three months. But, like, I, thought, I found it was funny because well, politicians do this all the time. That was going to happen probably anyway. And so I thought that was so funny. It's like, it's smart. Like he's using it as a PR moment. With the way the vaccine production was going, from everything I had read, when he said that today, like that would be like Mike Bianco coming out tomorrow and being like, you know, I think we have what it takes to make a postseason run. It's like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, you got, you got the forces in motion. I just thought it's, it's like, it's like you better or you're, you're fired, champ. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. That might be even a better way to put it. To where it's like, you know, if, if Biden had been like, you know, I don't know if everyone's getting vaccinated by the end of the summer now or whatever it was, he'd have been like, well, what do you mean? Because everyone was on track for this two months ago. I just found that funny. You know, you know all politicians love an easy cure, sure. um, and and that was kind of one of them because they were on track to have that anyway. But be that as it may, before we turn this into, you know. Uh, Rippy and Colin Carlson at night or whatever. <laughs> just saying, yeah, there's a world in which all these dudes are vaccinated by mid to the yeah. and it doesn't become an issue. And so maybe it's just me being arrogant, but like I th- thought hasn't crossed my mind a lot. And so to answer your question, I don't know what I read in that. They, you know, they have more money, you know, to kind of implement more serious protocols. Um, you know, maybe it's the fact that the season is starting on the back end of the pandemic. Maybe it's good fortune. I hope it's a combination of the three. All right. So I, I have a, uh, a, a people's holiday question for you. So you know how we give out SEC Coach of the Year for basketball, right? Yeah. Like, who is the opposite of SEC Basketball Coach of the Year? So, like, we have the best coach. Who did the worst job this year? Cal. Okay. Thank you for the correct answer. That's yeah, I true. Say, like I know Kentucky's not good, and I know they had a dude's not not pan out. But even for, I mean, they're still talking about. I mean, you you still have draft scouts arguing about or BJ Boston could he be if he decided to come out, which it sounds like he shouldn't, but he is going to anyway. Like, could he be a late first round, or is he creeping into the lottery? If you have one guy that's even in that conversation at Ole Miss. Imagine what would happen if they went nine and fifteen or whatever the hell Kentucky went this year. Like, I think Cal's a good coach. I'm a big fan of him. His, I think he gets unfair criticism, but two things can be true at one time. He did a terrible job this year. Like, what, what in the world is going on with that team? Yeah, that's that's all. I could argue Stackhouse did a pretty terrible job, but yeah, it's it's Cal. Um, I was just watching their their highlights. Forgetting State were on TV as I asked that question. Yeah, that was awful. Um, Tom Crean is going to be like the guy that he never, he's just never going to get fired because he was fired this year. And my man was like, you know what? I'm actually going to win seven SEC games. You're not going to fire me because that would be stupid now. 
Uh, so respect to him. At least they were scrappy at times. They, they were. were. Did you look at Kentucky and being like, man, I don't want to see these guys. There was at least a week and a half stretch where you looked at Georgia and was like, they may not be good, but I don't really want them coming in my gym. Yeah, well, I sure didn't want them showing back up in Oxford anytime soon. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is his Ole Miss team on the cusp of the NCAA tournament where they lost to Georgia twice. I mean, the other answers you already covered probably in what we were just talking about inadvertently. Stackhouse didn't do a very good job, and to be honest, I know State was in a transition year, but there's no reason they should be worse than Ole Miss, right, from a talent perspective? He's in trouble. He's done he, a, he, he hasn't done a good job for two years. He got lucky last year that the season was good. He, he was, yeah, there was a real chance if uh, that pandemic didn't happen. He's not the coach at State this year. And there's a real good chance if this weekend doesn't end well that uh, he's not the coach at State next year. All those dudes, I say all those dudes, a couple of the dudes that I kind of keep in touch with that cover that team, like, you're right. It probably shouldn't be the case, but they don't seem to think that that athletic department is going to pull the trigger on it just because of where the financial situation sits, where the world's at, and just kind of not punt on next year, just be like, here's another year, even though you don't deserve it. Well, my thing with them, and that that's fine, but at what point, do you just not care that men's basketball isn't a big deal? Because next like, year, and you you can't let him sit past next year, right? Because I mean, they don't really care about men's basketball right now. Like, there's an apathetic like. Look, Ole Miss fans, you can criticize that you know they don't get excited about Ole Miss basketball as much as they should. Whatever. State fans have like completely lost interest in men's basketball. They beat Kentucky today. Uh, in the SEC tournament. Look, I'm from 30 minutes outside of Storm. Well, I have a lot of state friends. Like, they didn't care. Um, and I think that's the point, right, where your fan base just doesn't give a shit anymore that you've got to do something. Agree. But don't you think that they probably – like so the whole not caring thing is not this year in a vacuum. It's because of the last six years of what Vic Schaefer did with the women's program. You saw it in attendance. The women's games are better attended. Don't you think the spotlight is going to start shifting back towards that because of how bad their women's program is tanking? I guess it could, but doesn't your men's program have to be worth a shit for it? To, otherwise, they're just going to keep going to baseball games. And my argument would just be that they're tired of – like they, they're so mad at the women's program. And they, they are pissed. They, they're very pissed about that, which, you know, conversation for another time. I don't – whatever you think of – uh, of the, the support for women's versus men's program. But if their women's program sucks, there is going to come a time where the angry mob turns around and looks and like, oh, look at this program that actually makes money. They're horrible too. Let's, let's get this guy out of here. <laughs> like, again, how in the whole women's program being good for them, and this sounds condescending and I don't mean it to, didn't do him any favors in the long run. But last year, while they sucked and the women's program was still good, it kind of helped him a little bit to where now he doesn't have that cover. Like, if the women's right. program is bad and they lose interest and it goes back to being the interest of a normal women's program, I mean, he should already be toast, but he's definitely toast next year. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to spend less than one minute on the state of women's basketball in Mississippi. Uh, but it is kind of funny, the dynamic of Mississippi State is probably going to sneak into the tournament and Ole Miss is going to probably just miss it. But it is kind of funny to see, like, the Ole Miss fans that keep up with women's basketball are like, hell yeah, we had a good year. The State fans are like, fire now. Make her leave. 
the dynamic is shifting, and we talked about this the other night. Good for Yo. She seems like a bad. Uh, she got a contract extension. That was awesome. Yeah, that she, was awesome. She, she, I mean, that's, you know, I know it's a four-year rollback and all that, and like, you know, well, yeah, but I don't tension and a raise. But when it's bad, and you know, when it's not actually good, it's kind of like okay, you just got rolled back. She got an extension and a raise, and good for her. That's the least of what she deserves, is what I meant. Yeah, people don't understand how what she took. Like, who was it you mentioned? Uh, uh, old boy took over at UConn, like triple that. It, yeah, Whew. what yeah, she took over. What she deserves. I don't even know if I said that correctly. That's the least of. I don't even <laughs> know that. That's the minimum of what she deserves. Add, add on two more years to whatever she got. Yeah. Oh me. All right. Back to the uh mailbag questions. Yeah, I don't figure out women's basketball. This bad boy. Let's roll this out. All right, here we go. How many wins do they need to feel comfortable about an NCAA birth? We answer that. I think they win tomorrow. They're in. Does Luis yep. Rodriguez have Terrence Davis potential? Mm. No, but I know what you're getting at. Yeah, I do too. Like, but it, Luis Rodriguez is never going to be that gifted offensively. It's just not happening. No. He uh, he's not quick enough. Um, but he can knock down a shot. He's going to play tenacious defense, and he's a really smart basketball player. And that is that is valuable. Well said. I mean, and when you boil it down to that, the only difference is, is the holy shit athleticism that gets kids to the end. Right. And Terrence was just born with that. And it's not a knock on Luis, but, like, you know, there were times where Terrence was even a freshman or a sophomore, and he wasn't even a good player at that point, but he would do something in transition, and you would be like, holy hell. Like, yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? Well, he was a four-star wide receiver. I mean, you know. Um, There's just dudes I, that are born with that athleticism and some that aren't. And, again, not a knock on Luis, but that that's kind of what separates a guy like Luis and a guy like Terrence. It's just Terrence had that absurd athleticism that .001% of the population has. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure this is correct. I could be wrong here. I am pretty sure in high school, his senior year, he shared the – uh, football field with DJ or DK Metcalf and AJ Brown in the Mississippi Alabama All Star Game and was the best wide receiver on the field. I, I was told that. I don't keep up with recruiting enough to know, but I was told that yeah, he was the best wide receiver on the field, and those two guys were also on the field. I mean, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, that was the whole I'm trying to think around what him. So he got written fifteen times about how many people told Terrence Davis he should be playing football. No, no, Terrence is a year older than them, so that wouldn't make sense. But yeah, apparently he was the best uh, wide receiver on the on the field at the Mississippi Alabama All Star Game, which is extremely impressive. Yeah, he's a freak athlete. But yeah, look, Lou Rod, man, what he's just a sophomore. That that dude's gonna play a lot of valuable minutes for Ole Miss. And, and look, I mean, you gotta have guys like that, tough, knock down a shot, go get you a board. Yeah, I mean, he he's extremely extremely important for Ole Miss's success. Agree, and is going to be for at least another year. And if, if if Ole Miss is lucky, two years. And not to shift the conversation, but you talk about pro potential. You know, we we I talked about this the other night, and I'm sure we've mentioned this a couple of times. Romello White is such an enjoyable basketball player to watch play. The dude is tough. He has that post move he made earlier in the game the night for the end. What he just abused that poor that poor schmuck um, for Doctor Line. I don't even remember who was guarding him. And like on top of that ability and his 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 intuition and his cere- like he's such a cerebral basketball player. I'm not saying he's has an NBA future, but with his size and the way he plays, if that guy gets into an NBA training camp, like 
it wouldn't shock me if he ends up on some kind of opening day roster. And I'm far from an NBA scout, and I may be talking out of my ass and sound like an idiot, but I just don't know what's missing there. He's he's a treat to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good defender too. So yeah, I would not be shocked at all if that guy gets a you know summer camp or whatever and and finds himself playing on a you know decent on a NBA team this time next year at all. And what sucks about Romello is is he. He seems like a really good dude, too. We we talked about this in the other podcast, as I've mentioned, like nine times on this show. But it sucks that it sucks that they haven't had the normal year with the fans or anything because it seems like his personality coupled with the way he plays basketball, that would have been a guy that Ole Miss fans would have endeared themselves to in a short period of time because he was only there for a year, and you just didn't get that full experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean – you know, you never really even get to interact with the kid because you have 10% capacity pretty much the entire year on the last game. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's tough. But I, I completely agree with you there. What would you say that LSU has one of the best – would you say that LSU has one of the best scoring teams in the field that money can buy? Um, I mean, look, man, yeah. the way things yeah. are going at LSU, like Will Wade is kind of a saint now, right? He's like the – other than Paul Maneri, he's like the most squeaky clean guy out of the bunch. Who would have thought that because – you know, he did that have that pesky little scenario with uh, shit. What's that organization called? Oh, Federal Bureau of Investigation. He had that. Yeah. But other that than that, the program. I mean, in the athletic department. Oh my god! They, Am I they wrong? Invented, no, they invented the death penalty for LSU. Um, good god, that that you know we joke about that that stuff, and it is you know it's easy to make light of, but. That, that, that it's that's sickening to me the stuff they let go on there that was never handled or investigated or done anything about it, it just kind of shows you man like college athletics is is it's win and everything else is okay as long as you're winning thank god they didn't give any kids free pizza though or some <laughs> or some hunting like maybe a hunting trip you ever thought about that <laughs> go shoot go shoot a north american white tail in my land that's not cool, but <laughs> everything else down there is cool because they're Louisiana and they drink beer and they're they're funny dudes and they have weird accents. But my God, dude, the Will Wade thing, he's still the coach at LSU and there's no media scrutiny. No one questions it. And I'm not even like – I don't even mean to be, play the holier-than-thou card about like how it's an indictment on the you know American media. That. I'm not playing that card at all. There's just there's been so many scandals and so many things that have happened at that place then that he looks like a church mouse now. I don't care. Nope. Paul Maneri could go 0 and 56 this year, and I'd That's walk into whoever that guy's name is, Scott Woodward, their AD, and be like, Can I have a race? I don't have any record. <laughs> I'm not going to prison. Yeah. Can I have a race? I'm not, I'm not being. They, are, they, kind, they, kind of, they kind of suck this year, too. And Maneri's going to be like, You're not going to do it. You're all the boss. You can't do it. I don't mean to be this guy, but if he get if they suck and he gets fired this year, he's a confirmed beta. Because there's <laughs> no way anyone that would ever stand up for themselves, no matter how bad LSU baseball this year, would some if Scott Wood walked in and says, Paul, we're gonna make a change, I'd be like, No, you're not. <laughs> you have come correct. No, you're not. I'm gonna go back to my office. <laughs> we'll talk about this next year. Yeah. I, Come at me next year, but no, you're not. <laughs> Wait a second. Your football team is in shambles, 
and the basketball coach is being investigated by the FBI, and you're going to conduct a baseball search during all this. I have that correct. You don't yeah. have that correct, because I would just tell them, no, you're not going to. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get next year, pal. <laughs> just talk to me after that. Yeah. Good God. We've gotten delirious. I've kept you on here for an hour and 15 minutes. We, uh, that was all the mailbag questions we had. I believe we've answered all of them. I, uh, oh, one last, actually, we had one more. We had one last note. They're talking about, here's a good one, is actually kind of like this one, is John Rice Plumlee's piano skills rivaling the Devontae Shuler played AAU with Zion and Josh won by announcers. All right, I have, I have an actual opinion here. Okay, I haven't seen, you know, look, John Rice Plumley didn't play a whole lot of quarterback this year. I didn't see a whole lot of piano stuff. Now, last year, yeah, but no, no, I, I think it's Devontae Shuler playing on Zion's AAU team and Kobe Borders' brother playing quarterback and Kramer Robertson's mom being, you know, Kim Mulkey. I think that's that that's way – gotten way more pub than uh, John Rice Plumley playing the piano. I would agree with you, and I'm the world's biggest hypocrite because I, I will slip in on the internet the piano Plumley joke any at any means possible. Any opportunity, <laughs> I will throw that in there. But I agree. Like, you've seen less of that on mainstream TV. When he had that viral clip at whatever award show they were at where he was playing it, that became all the rage for like a yeah. month. And then it kind of died down to where it's this Devontae Zion thing. And to be to to be completely fair, in all seriousness, the reason that it has become this is because Zion and Ja appear to love Shuler. They, they do absolutely like quote tweeting and stuff and putting it on. And I don't even that I don't even keep up with social media that much that religious anymore. But every time you look up now, Ja Moran or Zion Williamson are just basically being Devonte Shuler's hype man. And honestly, it's really cool to see, but I think that's fed into why the storyline's gotten so tight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, John Morant and him, you can tell, are pretty close. And I would, I would venture to say probably best friends, um, which that's got to be kind of cool. But, yeah, I, that, that, you're right. That is why it gets played up as much as it does. Yeah, and then, like you mentioned, you know, Jaws the one that he seems a little bit closer to, but Zion's the one that kind of had the famous line where he was like, that kid was an automatic bucket and I was just a youngster. And, like, that's yeah. Zion Williamson saying that, right? And right. So I think that's why that's been been played up to the level that it is. And the, the last thing I'll, I'll add before we get out of here, I made this a point on Twitter earlier, which is about as valuable as, uh, you know, a, a nickel or a penny or whatever – is I found it funny tonight, and I like Tom Hart. I don't pretend to know him. He came by our radio show a couple of times because he and Richard are buddies, and I've talked to him once or twice. But I did find it hilarious tonight to where they're showing Greg Sankey on the SEC Network broadcast praising his pandemic leadership, and that may be true. I'm not saying he did a good or a bad job, but what else is the SEC Network going to say? Like, are they just going to be like, hey, actually, this asshole is terrible at this. We need to get him out <laughs> Like, I get you have to fill airtime. I get it was a not compelling game. But they're just spending five minutes praising Sankey while the camera's on him. What in the world else were they going to say? <laughs> yeah, Greg, Greg Sankey's leadership. That's, yeah, that's something to behold for sure. Well, I can... Even if he's done a fine job or, you know, whatever. Like, like what, again, what is the SEC network going to say about the SEC yeah. commission? Like, they they, they have to blow Let's vote him out. Uh, they have to play smoke. I don't. Greg Sankey sucks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, that SEC network. I don't know if you ever watch it. 
like I have a streaming right now. Uh, not streaming, like it's on my TV as we sit here and record this because uh, I just haven't changed it after the Ole Miss game. It is all propaganda, man. It's it's just propaganda off propaganda of, you know, the SEC pretending or, you know, flighting themselves. Oh, sure. I mean, that's that's the, you know, for lack of a better reason, I mean, lack of a better phrase, that was kind of what it was designed for in a way. I'll tell you what, though, they're – in terms of like mainstream television, I know the whole like linear television thing is dying off. Um, they, I think they're one, they're like talk and debate stuff is more compelling than anything you'll find on Sports Center. And particularly during college baseball season, their Sports Center like highlight shows are actually kind of awesome because it's hard oh, to yeah. get all the college baseball action today. And I actually really enjoy it for that purpose. Yeah, absolutely. No, well, they have, I'll, I'll give you another opinion. They have the, their best sport as far as commentators is is easily college baseball. I mean, from Ben McDonald to uh, Chris Burt to David DeLucci, uh, and then you get Kyle Peterson a good bit. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty solid crew right there now. For sure, I could not agree more. I uh, they have good announcers, but I love love the baseball highlights just because it's easy to keep up with in a day. You get you you know you sit down and watch an hour show, and you've kept up with all the night's SEC action to where. I mean, to hell with it. Even if I wasn't covering a game, it's hard to keep up with what's going on on the SEC um, and actually see it, too, sure. um, in real time. So I, I've appreciated it for that. Um, but I think that was all the mailbag questions we got. I said before when we started pressing the record button, I didn't want to keep you up until midnight, and it's uh, now 12 o'clock on the dot. So uh, is that kind of lying or is that a push? Uh, yeah. We'll, 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 kid, uh, we'll count it as a push. <laughs> I don't have – I'm on spring break now, so it's all good. That's nice. I, uh, I'm i working from home tomorrow, so that doesn't really mean anything. That just means I'm going to wake up like 20 minutes later than I already would. But anyway, this was a wild podcast. We covered a lot of ground, covered a lot of hoops, covered a lot of baseball. Um, if you made it to the end, I appreciate it. Uh, go sign up for Rippy Rights at rippyrights at subdeck.com. I've seen – We've had a lot of signups in recent days. I've really appreciated that. I'm still getting email notifications every time someone signs up. Tell your friends. We're growing. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. Been enjoying the newsletter. Been enjoying doing the podcast uh, with Colin. I really appreciate it. We've got some uh, sponsor stuff in the works. I'll shout next week. Kind of give some more information on that. Hopefully, we'll have an intro by then. Uh, This was fun as always, dude. I I appreciate it. I kept you for for longer than I said, but I really appreciate it. That's no problem, man. Sounds good. We'll be back at it. Uh, hopefully, uh, yes, we'll go our normal post-series podcast as Ole Miss kind of wades into the SEC play and go from there. Be sure to tune in. Everybody have a safe and happy weekend, and we will catch you all then.